Hello Gems! Welcome to another episode of Tiaras in Tech. I'm your host, Shelley Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Heather McDonald about being a lifelong learner. She is a senior skills architect at Pluralsight, a mom, and an amazing leader. We talked about the importance of being a lifelong learner in tech, whether you are a developer or not. We also talked about developing leadership skills and what skills are needed for leaders to be successful. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, we are plural site people. We um, enjoy, you know, learning and teaching. And this episode, I think that we'll talk a lot about the importance of lifelong learning. Um, but before we start with all of that, why don't you tell us your story? How did you start in tech and your, you know, summary of your <laughs> journey? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I actually have only been in tech for about three years now, formally in that space. Um, I started over at my last job creating and running their women in technology program. So it was really a very specific role, but it was something that I was really passionate about. Like diversity and inclusion in workplaces is really important. And everything that you hear about tech is like, we need more women there. We need more diverse folks at the table. Um, so super excited to get in and get my feet wet in a tech space and start to understand, you know, like, what does that look like from the inside? Um, so I started doing that quickly, like about eight months into that job. Um, my boss ended up moving on. So there was this opening for that role to lead the team that I was a part of. And I was like, Maybe I'll just throw my hat in the ring, see what happens. Um, so I ended up being the vice president of strategy, change, and communications. And part of that was also, it was the women in tech, but it was also our workforce development strategies. So figuring out like, how do we support these tech teams in having the skills that they need both today, but then in the future to address what's going on, um, just obviously at the pace that tech progresses. Um, so I was super excited about that opportunity. Um, and part of that work was working directly with Pluralsight. So I was managing the account, helping to figure out, you know, how can we utilize this as a tool to better support our learners? Um, and one of the things that we started to do at the end was we, we really looked at, okay, you know, people are using it a little bit. There's pockets of success, but how do we start to understand, you know, what are the capabilities of our people? So we jumped in, we did a big skill IQ blitz. We got a whole bunch of scores from folks to figure out, you know, where are people actually scoring compared to their peers in the industry? You know, it's easy to say like, I'm an expert here in house, but if in house is like, this is the scope, yeah. you know, you've got to figure out where you fit in the bigger picture. Um, so we were really excited about that. We got some really great data. Um, and that actually was what opened the door for me to come over to Pluralsight and to become a senior skills architect with them. It was that love for, you know, I loved what I was doing in that role. I loved all the experience and the breadth of the work that we were doing. But when I thought about it, it was like, okay, I can continue here. We have a foundation. Somebody can move this forward. I thought, you know, coming over to Pluralsight is the opportunity to take both the lessons learned and my passion for learning and say, how can we amplify this message and get it out to more companies faster? Um, so 
that was kind of the motivator to get here. And now I'm, you know, fully immersed in a tech space, working with, you know, tech executives and tech professionals all across the globe, uh, trying to solve the problem is, you know, how do we effectively upskill people and ensure that folks have the ability to learn uh, both again, like within the tech space, but also people whose jobs are at risk of being um, automated or, you know, outsourced or just disappearing in the near future. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember in college, um, I had this one professor that in freshman year of computer science, he's like, you will all need to be lifelong learners. And like, after he said that some of the people switched majors and I was just like, how do you think you're going to be in tech and like, not be current with what's happening? That's kind of required, but a lot of uh, a lot of companies still run legacy systems so i can i can see where that happens they're probably not very secure you know it's true it's so true <laughs> yeah but like plural site what i love is that um you can literally learn like whatever i've i i spent 20 years in like dot net you know type stuff and now I'm doing docker and kubernetes and before the show started I I was telling you about how I'll probably end up buying a mac I have been a microsoft developer my entire career like but now I'm an author and I'm interested in you know new topics and stuff and I, I'm in love with Docker. I am just like, you see my, yes, my whale. <laughs> I love <there>. that. <laughs> yeah. Etsy. If anybody wants to just look it up. Yeah. Support that. Um, why is it important f- for people in tech to consistently upskill and learn the, you know, hot new skills? I think part of it is, you know, obviously like job security. If you want to have a job at some point, if you stop learning, you're just not going to have a job. Um, That's not saying there aren't small fractions of the workforce. Like you said, there's still some legacy systems, especially in industries like finance that have been around for, you know, hundred plus years. There's still people who have to keep the lights on until, you know, they can progress their tech in a way that fits within, you know, compliance and regulatory rules. But for everyone else who's, you know, like just starting out and wants to figure out what this looks like, you have to figure out like how do how do you how do you make learning a part of your day to day in a way that's you know i've got to solve for the problems of today but then also like what's important for me to learn both from a personal perspective to ensure that you know you've always got those options out there but then also to me it's about you know all of us have to play a part in things like cybersecurity. It's really easy to just be like, oh yeah, InfoSec, they got that. Like they're smart people, they'll keep us safe. But half the time it's like, you know, somebody out there, you know, answering the phones, who's clicking the button on the email and all of a sudden you're getting some kind of malicious spywares coming into your organization and taking stuff down. I think all of us have to play a part in figuring out like, I need to at least be relatively competent in any kind of just, and not going deep into tech, but generally understanding what's going on, what are the things that impact you and your organization, and being able to be just aware of, you know, how does my behavior as an individual impact our organization's ability to keep us safe, keep our customers safe, um, keep our information secure. So I think part of it is like, you know, doing your part to support that, making yourself more valuable and being aware and keeping an eye out for those kind of things. Um, But then the opportunities, to me, 
there's so many opportunities out there that literally we don't even know what they are yet. We don't know what they're going to look like. And if you're the right person at the right time with the right skill set, you're going to have so much potential to jump in and take something, you know, right from like baseline start to finish. And those are the opportunities to me that I love that I think so many people want to be a part of, you know, that next big startup, that next big thing. But if you're not prepared, you're going to be stuck doing the same thing that you've always done and hoping that you can ride it out to the end of your career, um, which I think is unfortunate. It absolutely is. I've, I've known people who don't skill up, who, you know, mm-hmm. just stay. I think a lot of it is just the confidence But like, if you learned an older programming language, oh my God, you will, you will learn new ones so much faster. They are so much better. Like I, my first, well, not my first, but one of the main programming that programming languages I learned in school was COBOL, (laughs) which is why if you take any of my courses and I provide you with a cheat sheet, it's a text file and every, everything is explained in a flower box because I, you know, I used to do COBOL and that's how we did comments. Um, you know, stuff just kind of sticks, but in terms of learning that versus learning like C sharp or Docker or whatever, like I, there was no internet at the time. I'm a lot older than I look, hopefully. And I just had this like textbook. It was like, you know, a thousand pages or something. And if something went wrong, I'd have to look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like right now, like you can jump on and take a course. You can Google some stuff. You can ask an expert and get some answers in real time Yeah. before it would. Yeah. You'd have to like run to the library and go check out 20 books and hope that one of them, if there was 20 books and hope that somehow flipping through all the pages, you found the answer. Like it's true. I think sometimes it is. It's like we we put ourselves in these boxes, especially women, I think, is we put ourselves in these boxes are like, but I'm a people person or I'm I'm this. I'm like, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. And it's like, I love the memes and I see all the time from folks in tech who are like, I'm not any better at tech than you. I'm just better at Googling than you are. And I'm like, facts right there. The people who can Google and find answers, you can succeed in literally anything. That's like half the battle right now. <laughs> Oh my God. Sometimes I Google the dumbest things. Like uh, I'm, I'm teaching Docker, right. And I couldn't remember, you know, the proper syntax for a command or something like that, not off the top of my head, you know? So yeah, I'll have, you know, a course open. Yeah. FYI. I'm like, so into (laughs) Docker today. I'm sorry. I love it. Like I I just finished writing a course for it. Um, There are so many courses on Pluralsight that have helped me immensely. So, you know, check those out. Anyway, (laughs) back to Heather. Um, Yeah, but I think um, learning for some people is more of a chore, but I would say that if you are struggling to learn, you probably just haven't found your medium yet. Not everybody likes video courses. I'm sorry, plural site, but that is true. Um, some people prefer textbooks or YouTube, you know, isn't as perfect as plural site courses are, um, or, um, communities too, or just Mm -hmm. reading documentation, you know, like, yeah, but I, I will say there is a huge difference between documentation and training. 
They are different things. If you are struggling, it's because you're reading the documentation. It's not a step-by-step like how to it's explaining Mm -hmm. a technology. Yeah. So, um, but it is very important to continue to, um, learn new skills. And I think that, um, it also helps to have support. So we've talked about authenticity and, you know, just reaching out to people and cultivating a network of support. And I was just hoping that, that you would tell us, you know, why is it important to be your authentic self at work? And then how do you create a network of support? (laughs) It's so true. I think, and, and authenticity is one of those really loaded kind of concepts too. It's for some people, especially if you're part of like the dominant majority at your workplace, it's real easy to be your authentic self because everyone else around you is like you. Um, I think it's much harder when you are the only in a space, whether it's the only woman, the only LGBTQIA person, the only person with a disability, whatever it is. Um, so I acknowledge that when we talk about authenticity, there's some people who have the privilege and the ability to be their authentic self. And I fully acknowledge that there's groups of people who they have valid concerns about potentially losing their job or being you know, pushed down or pushed out um, if they do show up as their authentic self. So I think when we talk about this conversation of your network of support and authenticity, I think figure out what works for you, where you're at in your career today and based on your workplace. Every workplace is different. Some are very open to you coming with your concerns and talking about it and being your full and authentic self and other workplaces will shut you down so fast, it'll make your head spin. So I think, Being authentic is something like for me personally, what it looks like is, you know, it's stuff like this. Like I have, it's clear. I've got children somewhere in this picture. I've got all sorts of kid crafts. I've got things behind me, but to me, it was like, I had a realization at my last job. I was like, well, I'm a VP here. I've got plenty of time in the workforce. If I get fired, I'll find another job. So to me, there was so much less of that motherhood penalty for me to say like, yes, I have kids and I do a job and I'm really, really good at it then maybe somebody who's, you know, this is their first job out of college. They don't feel the confidence that they can, or maybe it took them a year to get a job. Like that's a real fear. And I haven't had that, you know, that concern in the past. So for me, it's like, if I can be the example of normalizing working moms and what that looks like, I'm going to do that. Um, Because hopefully then it starts to open those doors for other people to realize, oh, working moms, maybe they need a little more flexibility, but they still get the job done. And I'm like, yes, that's absolutely true. So part of it is stuff like that is, and to me, that's like, you know, allies are always like, what's the ally action I can take? What's the thing that I can do? And so many times it's like, you want that easy, canned answer. But honestly, to me, it's like, be your real self. If you're a mom, rep that stuff. If you're in a place of power and privilege to do so, if you're a dad and your kid walks in, don't you dare turn that camera off. Let your kid walk over and wave hi to your colleagues. Like that tells women that you also have kids too. And that it's okay. If your kid walks in, that it's not the end of the world. And that's one thing I appreciate about Pluralsight within my first like two weeks I was there. I saw so many um, people who at least present as male with kids on camera. And I was like mind blown because to me that signaled that we're not only talking about family as a real value and something that we, you know, we honor and respect, but the fact that people were willing to do that across all levels 
I was like, this, this is the truth. Like, we're not just saying family's important. We are showing that family's important. Um, so I think that's the piece about authenticity. I think the network of support is so important because especially if you find yourself being the only in a situation, having that backbone that can be there with you to debrief, to talk about what's going on, to help you problem solve. Uh, it's, it was literally my lifeline at multiple places that I've worked where I had to turn around and be like, is it just me? Am I, am I really acting foolish? Am I saying dumb things? Is there a reason that I'm getting treated like this? And so often just that other perspective of someone who's been in your shoes, who can say, nope, you're being gaslit. You're being treated unfairly. You're being, you know, here's what's happening with other people with your same title. You're absolutely getting underpaid without those, that ability to talk to somebody else and know it's not just you. It's really easy to sit in the corner and be like, I'm a terrible employee. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm incompetent. Like nobody trusts me here. And that's so not the case. And I think that contributes to our problems too. You know, tech companies are like, where's, where's women in leadership? Where's the diversity at the higher levels? And I'm like, you can't expect people to jump up and want to be in the C-suite when we've pushed them down for so long. Um, so building that network, sometimes it's people internal to your company. Sometimes you do have to look external and find that support if you can't find it in your organization. Um, but for me, that's been a critical turning point in my ability to do stuff like this and to feel confident in myself is to know like what I do matters to other people. And I've even seen it here. I commented, um, we did a breaking the bias uh, panel that we had done recently and folks were sharing about their experience on how they're, you know, working through their biases. And it's like, when you see that other people in those positions are willing to admit those things that are willing to talk about things that are really vulnerable, that gives me more confidence to do the same. So if I can turn around and do that for someone else, I'm going to do that all day long. So that's kind of my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. lot to unpack there. Oh my God. I wish I had written so much. things down while you were talking. <laughs> um, first of all, mental health, I think, um, is such a important topic. My experience with that, um, when I was having just the worst year of my life in, uh, 2020, um, I, I finally realized, you know, maybe the five doctors that had diagnosed me as bipolar when I was a teenager were actually right. So I, you know, took care of that. I got with a psychiatrist and all of that. I started to tell people at work what was happening because I felt responsible because I was calling out like a lot, like, like once a week or something like that. It was terrible. And I got shut down. I was told by management, you know, to not tell people that. And at the time I was like, yeah, okay. But then after I talked to a whole bunch of women's groups and like, I'm, I'm part of so many support groups for every ailment I have for everything. Yes. Once I talked about it with them, they were like, yo, that's not okay. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that's really not okay. And yeah, like it, it made me feel like I was the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I left, you know, and so I am an author now that that's what I'm doing. It's much better for me, you know, but companies need to realize that the stigma exists because their leadership allows it. It mm -hmm. all comes down to leadership. If you are in a leadership position, then people will 
mirror your actions. Mm -hmm. You need to lead by example. People will follow like, (laughs) so true. It's so true. Well, and until we know, like you said, until you found those folks who told you that's not normal, it's so easy again, especially early in your career to think this is how it is. I got to keep it under wraps. I don't need to talk about this. I need to act like everything's okay when it's not. And that's the other thing that I appreciated about Pluralsight when I got here is we have, you know, a mental health channel. We've got, you know, resource groups. And when I saw other people literally just coming in there being like, I am having a really bad day. Somebody send me some cute puppy pictures or send me some quotes or send me your favorite playlist. Like to know that other people are experiencing that same thing, to know that it's safe to go in and say, I'm having a really bad day. I need some help. I need somebody to just boost me up for a minute. It makes such a big difference to know, number one, you're not alone. And number two, that there's support here. It's not just a like, oh, I'm sorry, you're having a bad day, but you need to just get your work done and you need to keep your head down and not bother your coworkers. Like, it's not a bother. We're all humans. We all have stuff going on. And just because one person's not having a bad day today doesn't mean next year might not be a horrible year for them. Like, we can't treat people like we can compartmentalize our lives and be like, sorry, leave it at the door. And come over here and be your cheery, happy self and get some work done. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't. It's too much. Exactly. Yeah. I should, I should also mention like two months after that incident that I had where I was shut down, Pluralsight had a opportunity listed to teach a mental health awareness course in the workplace. And so I, you know, applied for it and I was like, Hey, I have generalized anxiety disorder. I'm bipolar. Like I should teach this course. And they were like, yes, I mean, night and, and so day from how I was treated previously. And so now I don't think I'm a problem. I think I'm a solution, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I was so empowered by that whole experience and how I can talk about it openly that really made that happen. Just seeing that opportunity was available just made me realize that, you know, I should probably talk about these things. <laughs> well, that course number one is amazing. So people should check it out, but that Thank kind you. of course too, <clears throat> to me, like there needs to be just this section of stuff where it's like, if you are a leader, you need to take these courses and internalize it. Like, especially if you're a person who's come from a space where you didn't interact with people who, at, <laughs> who would tell you that they have, you know, some kind of mental health issue. I think all of us are around people with mental health issues we just not might be, we might not be a safe enough space for people to tell you that they've got mental health issues um, or disabilities, like invisible disabilities are a real thing, but not everyone's going to walk around and be like, Hey, I've got fibromyalgia. I'm in pain 24 seven. Like if you're not a space, safe space, no one's going to tell you that. So I think it's bare minimum, like as a leader, go and watch that course, understand what your coworkers are probably going through and understand if you're inadvertently, like, again, it's like, you may have all the best intentions, but you might be saying or doing things that tell people that they're not welcome to talk about this. And until you're aware and you can adjust, you, you know, how you're coming across to people, you're just going to continue to perpetuate that. So I think, you know, hundred percent, again, recommend that course, go watch it, get yourself some knowledge, especially if you're one of those people who's like, nobody around me has got a mental illness. I don't know what you're talking about. Like you need to be first in line, like go watch it today, right after this, go check it out. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. I, I didn't pay you for that. It's true. This is my free promo on it. Cause I, I did, I loved it because to me it was, it gave you enough information to understand, you know, these are things that are out there. These are things that people are dealing with and like giving you the tools to understand as a manager, as a team member, even like, what can you do to support people? Um, 
it's so important to understand that information. And again, like I have at least some background with people with, you know, different disabilities. So it's like, I understand, I understand on a general level, but we can always learn more. Nobody knows everything about everything. So again, it's that lifelong learner piece is like, I don't assume that because I've dealt with, you know, somebody with autism or somebody with depression once in my life, that that's all encompassing. Cause it's not, you can't, you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for bringing it back to the lifelong learner. I always love <laughs> when I have guests who are like experienced in doing this and I go off on tangents all the time and they always bring me back. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. It's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So speaking of learning, what are you studying currently? I love this question. Um, so I, because I'm now in a tech space and I want to know more, uh, part of what we're doing is we have an academy for the AWS certified cloud practitioner. Um, so I decided, I was like, you know what, it would be really helpful for me to understand what the customers I'm working with are going through. Like, what are the challenges? What does it mean to go to the cloud? So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do this certification program so I can at least understand the baseline of what I'm talking about and the challenges they're going to face in getting their workforce um, enabled to support you know, cloud applications. So that's what I'm doing. I joined that academy. I'm learning alongside a number of my peers, which is super cool. Um, but I'm also on the side, I am look, learning more about, you know, efficient um, and science-backed ways to help people learn. Because um, again, like in a position like mine, where I'm directly influencing, you know, company leadership to think about how they support their people in upskilling or reskilling, I don't want to give them information that's just a hope and a prayer. I want to know, you know, what are the science-backed strategies? How can we support them in developing programs that are going to be efficient and effective? Um, so I'm, you know, I read Beginners recently. I'm reading, again, Make It Stick. Um, I've also recently read uh, James Clear's book about, you know, creating those habits, because I think some of learning is creating those efficient habits that make it a part of your regular practice instead of a once in a quarter thing that you do because, you know, hey, there's a day off if you come to this hackathon and it's like people are like, sure, I'll show up to this thing. It's like, yeah, that's that's got a time and a place, but also for lifelong learning purposes, you've got to make it more of an established habit. So that's what I'm learning and I'm super excited. <laughs> Absolutely. That's amazing. That again is a technology that I know nothing about. Like I have never even deployed a site or anything on that platform because, you know, in Microsoft land, it's Azure, mm -hmm. like yeah. Azure all the time. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I think that it is amazing, first of all, that a person in your position as a VP is learning something like that, you know, um, like really technical. I think that a, a lot of people in leadership haven't touched tech skills in such a long time that they aren't um, as in tune with the actual needs. And in your position, like you're literally, that's your job to serve the needs. You know, I just want to commend you for taking on that certification. It is not easy to get certified in anything in tech. It's, you know, it takes a lot. So Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, in our mentorship program that we have here through our Women at Pluralsight program, <clears throat> I specifically went and was like, okay, I want to connect with somebody who's in somewhere like in software development in a place where literally I have no business being because I have no idea what they're doing, but I want to learn what they're doing. Because again, like 
I'd always hear from people. They're like, oh, we're busy. We got this backlog stuff. And I'd be like, I don't know what that means. I don't know why you can't get to this stuff. But then when you have the opportunity to talk to somebody to really understand their day to day, like I want to make sure if I'm advising an executive on what they need to do, I want to know what the people who are doing on the ground actually need to be effective. And often it's the same things across companies. It's, you know, creating safe space to learn. It's creating that habit. It's making sure that that's part of the accountability process from the top down so that everyone along the way is fully invested in helping people learn. Um, But again, like, I don't know what I don't know. So I, I intentionally try to figure out like, who can I talk to to get the knowledge that I need to be effective in my job? Um, and how can I best support them? Because at the end of the day, if I can't help a software developer get the skills they need to be successful and to stay in their career, I'm not doing any good up here making execs feel good. Like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to make sure that the people in the organization who are boots on the ground doing the work have the skills and the support that they need to, to do that. That's amazing. I I absolutely love that. I have worked at so many companies that didn't provide a learning platform at all. Actually, I think most companies I've worked for um, and the ones that provided a platform, it was like night and day. Their people were up to date. They were implementing best practices instead of getting (laughs) crap off of Stack Overflow and Mm -hmm. building something super janky. Like, you know, Um, yes. It's, There's a big difference. <laughs> absolutely. It's important to know the fundamental concepts and then mm-hmm. apply them using best practices that, you know, I've, I've had a lot of trouble with jobs that weren't doing that. And I'm a super like textbook person, like everything is implemented, you know, in, in the correct way. Um, and I would see things and then mention, you know, but actually this wasn't implemented with best practices, I would suggest blah, blah, blah. And people would just not like that suggestion because they weren't taught to be lifelong learners. And furthermore, we're not taught that they should be able to learn from anyone. Yes. That's such a key thing too. I think you're right. Like Organizations who at least have a platform, at least have something they can offer their people are one step ahead of the companies who aren't doing that strategically. Like I think everyone in general has access to, you know, whatever is free on the internet, you can find something out there. Um, But when you have a cohesive plan, when everyone's on the same system and talking the same language, that makes a difference. I think the other differentiator is when your leadership is trained and understands and efficient at doing that, learning from people at all levels, being able to help support the growth and development of their teams to understand when they need to ask for help. Um, Actually, I was just watching again, like you didn't pay me to say this, but your course that just came out, the one on going from an individual contributor to a manager. Oh yeah. Oh my God. They came out yesterday. (laughs) I know. And I saw it yesterday and I was like, I'm going to watch that today. Um, So I'm like halfway through the course, but the whole first part of that course that it's talking about, you know, these are the differences between a manager and leader. These are the things that you can start to do. And what I love about people like you and Jason Alba and Kevin Miller, like tactical solutions. It's not just like, here's the high level theory, figure it out yourself. It's like, here's the situation. Here's how the theory applies. And here are some things you as a, you know, somebody watching this course can start to do to make a change. And I love that space um, in the course where it's talking about, you know, like 
<laughs> managers aren't always leaders and leaders aren't always managers. Like you can, they are completely different. Like you can manage people and get the tactical, like I push the button and I check the box. Um, but leadership is a completely different skill and it's not specific to people managing folks. Um, but the nice thing is, is if you are a leader, again, if you have the ability to sit and say like, hey, I just hired you, you're straight out of college, but what can you teach me? What are you learning today that I didn't learn, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, maybe more for some people. Um, <clears throat> there's such a wealth of knowledge in your teams. And honestly, like we stifle our ability to be creative and innovative if we're not willing to listen to the people who know less, like less than us. That's not true. Everybody has value to bring to the table. If we can't get out of our own way and say, I have something to learn from the freshest person off my team as is the, you know, 20 year veteran, you're not doing yourself or your company any good. Yeah, totally. And furthermore, you can learn from people that you don't like personally. I had the worst boss once she was, you know, blonde and skinny and she hated, I was like 205 pounds at the time, you know, like not a lot of confidence in myself and she treated me horribly, but she pointed me to a Harvard business review, which is the main site that I use for researching topics for every single management course I've ever done. And I, I will credit her for that because to not do that isn't, isn't fair, but I, I hated that bitch. Like, you know, <laughs> you're like, look, you need to get out. It's yeah. so true though. I've had, I've had managers who, you know, didn't believe in you or wouldn't give you good feedback or just didn't see things, you know, like they, they couldn't comprehend like you being where you're at and them where they're at, but there's still like, there's still stuff that I've learned from even some of like the hardest people I've worked for that made a huge difference in where I'm at today. So again, yeah, yeah you don't got to be best friends with anybody, but it's nope. like, can you still teach people? Can you still help them learn and grow? Yeah. If, you, if you're a great and effective leader, yes, you can. Exactly. Yeah. And learning leadership skills, moving from management to leadership, I think in the course at some point, I, I said that... <laughs> managers manage people, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're a leader, people follow you. Yes. And that is incredibly powerful. That is a responsibility that you should not take lightly. And it is the key to exceptional, you know, performance, productivity, employee, well-being, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but... <laughs> But it's so true. Honestly, to me, <clears throat> leaders are such a big piece of effective learning and supporting your team members. Every single company out there right now is figuring out what is this digital transformation? What am I doing? How am I getting to the cloud? How am I you know, implementing all these new tools and systems that exist? Truly to me, without the right leaders in place, without the right supports for them, because sometimes you can have great leaders in place, but your systems are broken and not enabling them to be effective. Um, that honestly, for the companies who figure out that piece and are willing to go there and understand that your tech upskilling program is a piece of the bigger picture and without addressing the bigger picture, you are never going to get hundred percent of the success you could get out of your initiatives here. If you're not willing to address everything else in the picture, like, yeah, I love that you brought up that sometimes leaders are, are great but the processes in place are just terrible. The best mentor I've ever had, I only worked for him for six months. We still talk today. 
Um, he still comments on, you know, <laughs> my posts and stuff, but he was such a great leader. But I remember one day he looked at me and said, Shelly, I don't think that I can be successful in this job. And then he like preemptively told me that I should quit too. Honestly, it's like, I'm leaving. You should go with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't sadly, I should have, oh. but um, yeah, that was a shining example. He was amazing. He had all of these ideas and they all got shot down. And so he was like, okay, why am I even here? Bye. You know? Yes. He's like deuces. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, man, that was so sad, but um, yeah. What, what is important for companies uh, to keep in mind when developing a workforce? Yes. There are some things I think, um, again, like reiterating this and people will be like, okay, we get it, but your tech upskilling programs, your digital transformation, whatever you are calling it, that cannot succeed in isolation. You can't just say, I'm going to deploy, deploy Pluralsight or any other platform out there and just be like, I'm throwing it out there. And all of a sudden people will magically be upskilled and have all the answers. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah like you're going to have three people in your organization who are super proactive in the first place and would have figured it out whether you paid for it or not. They're going to take advantage and jump in there and figure some things out. But if you're going to actually maximize your investment, if you want to see results and if you want to see them quickly, you've got to look at the rest of the systems in place that impact your people's ability to learn. So again, it's performance management. It's the culture of learning. Like, do you reward the behaviors that, you know, that somebody has a growth mindset, that somebody has the ability to learn from everyone around them? Do you reward the leaders who are, you know, teaching and developing and effectively supporting their people in their development? Like what sometimes looks like um, high churn in one place can actually be because that leader is really, really great. And everybody that they're working with is getting pushed into their next promotion. You can't just look at the numbers and say like, this person has so much turnover. What the heck? Let's go fire him. It's like, or her. It's like they, they could be doing a really good job of pushing people up or onto their next thing. Um, and those people should be rewarded. Those people should be rewarded because they don't have the fear that they can't fix what's like, they can't replace the person who's leaving. Too many leaders sit there and be like, but I can't let you go because then I'm going to have to rehire and I'm going to have to figure out. Those leaders are the ones you need to investigate. If somebody hasn't had any turnover on their team, you need to either find out why or understand if there's a good reason for it. And, and I do believe there are people out there who are like, I just want to do this job. I don't want to get promoted. I don't want to move laterally. I am completely content. And if they love their manager and they love their job and they're happy there, sure, you might have very low turnover. But also, again, like you have to evaluate how is that good for the business? Are they being innovative? Are they, you know, supporting the greater cause? And in some cases, maybe the answer is yes. Again, legacy systems. Maybe it is good if you've got a super team. That's fine. Um, so I think companies need to look at the bigger picture. It, again, performance management, collaboration with HR, collaboration with learning and development. Like, you as the CTO or the CIO or CEO could be like, I love this. I want this for everyone. But if you're not looping in those other parts of the business to support what you're doing, you're only going to get so far. The big complaint that I hear from people a lot, other than time being an issue, is what's in it for me? If I do this, am I going to get a promotion? Do I get a title change? Do I get a raise? And if you as a leader and HR are not on the same page with what that growth path looks like, your people are going to be like, well, I, I did all these skill IQs. I did these certifications. I'm not getting paid more. I'm not getting the title I want. 
what was the point? And at that point, that's where leaders who are afraid of like, well, people will upskill and they'll leave. That's when they'll leave. When you don't have the right systems to support those people in their growth path internally, then yeah, they're going to take advantage and walk. But if you have the systems that say X, Y, and Z equals this, or this is the general growth path, like we can't guarantee but this is what you're going to need to get to the next level. People can at least take the initiative to figure out what that looks like and say, I'm interested in that. I'm going to pursue that path or, you know, and I'm just cool, like doing this, doing me and I'm happy there. Um, so they need to do that. And again, I think the big missing piece other than systems change is leadership support. I really believe effective leaders are the linchpin for success in upskilling, period, period. Absolutely. I believe if you don't have the right supports for them, so again, aligning aligning their ability to performance manage to this, aligning the ability for them to have the flexibility to support their people and giving them the answers. Again, like if you're a middle manager and you don't have any answers to what this means if I do Pluralsight, their people are going to be like, not important. I've got 20 fires to put out and this backlog I've got to tackle. And they're going to be like, yeah, Pluralsight learning, I'll do it later. Um enabling your leadership, ensuring you're developing and promoting the right people. And again, like evaluating your leaders, are they actually helping their people grow and develop? Are they great mentors? Do they have the skills to give and receive meaningful feedback? And the thing is, I think too often we assume, well, you're a great individual contributor, like let's make you a manager and you'll figure it out. It's like, no, no, no. If somebody didn't teach you how to give effective feedback, you're going to be stumbling along. Or if your personality is one that doesn't like conflict, like you're going to just not do it. Um, I think companies need to make bigger investments in like supporting those soft skill development pieces with their leaders, because honestly, that's the amplifier. You can have great C-suite support. You can have great on the ground interest. But if your leadership in the middle, who is really your, you know, they're the channel that is amplifying the message. They're bringing it down and making it make sense for their teams. If those folks aren't enabled, Again, you're only going to get as far as you can, you know, demand, like hammer it into people. And that's nobody wants to be in that kind of environment. Yeah, totally. I have never thought about the fact that some leaders don't want to upskill their people because then they'll, you know, either want promotions or other jobs. And my brain almost exploded <laughs> because I'm remembering so many jobs that didn't have any upward mobility, no opportunities for promotions. So the company never grew. You know, if, if you want to grow your company and, you know, I mean, capitalism, if you want to make yes. more money, then you part of employee development is giving them opportunities to grow mm -hmm. in their career. You can't expect every programmer or project manager or whatever to do the same thing every day, you know, three, six, 365 yes. days a year for the rest of their life. Like most mm -hmm. people aren't like that. There are some and that's yes. okay. Yes. But, you know, for the rest of us, like we need opportunities to grow and learn different things. Um, yeah. I, I can't, I can't believe that's a thing, but now that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Well, in the systems too, like not everyone um, who is in an individual contributor role wants to lead. Leadership is a completely different skill set that if you are not in it to win it, like you will hate managing people. Like no joke, you'll hate it. So we always say like, 
companies need to think about how do you support people who either want to just move laterally or they want to move up in seniority within their role, but not take on leadership. If you can't tell people what that path is, if you can't give them that variety, I mean, and we see it in so many articles right now about the great resignation. People aren't just leaving for flexibility and money. The top reason most people are leaving is there was no room for growth for me. And whether that's perceived or real, because in some companies, sure, if you get to a certain point, maybe there isn't room for growth until somebody dies or retires. But for most people, it's probably a perception because you haven't done a good enough job as a company telling them what exists. So they assume it doesn't exist, especially if their manager's the type to be like, just keep doing your job. You're doing great. Just stay over here so I don't have to retrain somebody. That person is going to assume there is no growth and they're going to go, hmm, but this company will double my salary and uh, gives me all the flexibility I want. And there's a growth path. I mean, really, like we shouldn't be shocked. Like human behavior is a real thing that people have studied for a long time. And I think really, again, the the best leaders are the ones who are taking the human element into consideration in these development, you know, programs and strategies that they're implementing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I've worked for a lot of companies, a lot of really small companies talking like not even a hundred people um, where there was no like executive level. It was like, mm it was like the CEO and then the people, you yes. know, there was no like development director or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that kind of comes down to control issues. Like you should be able to hire people that you trust to lead. And then yep. your job is actually to handle the vision and, you know, grow the company and get people that upward mobility I understand that because owning my own company, I've literally just now, like within the past month, hired the first person who is not a member of my family or a friend. Like it was a stranger. Within three weeks, we hit our stride. Mm -hmm. You know, I presented him with, you know, everything that he needed. I, I, I documented all of all of the processes, my, my husband and I train him. Um, we have, you know, answered all of his questions. We told him that he should ask questions. Like if he's not asking questions, that is wrong. Actually, I'm concerned. (laughs) Yeah. Just like providing him with open, like openness and authenticity and Mm -hmm. all of that. So it's so true, but that's a skill set. Honestly, like companies need to figure out how to better support people. And again, it it's probably a combination of like, yes, you can read books, podcasts, courses, but you need the on the ground application of those skills. Honestly, one of those things that I see is leaders aren't good at coaching other leaders so that the developments like around things like how do you give and receive effective feedback? How do you train people? How do you effectively delegate? That's not something that like, if you just read one book, you're going to know you need to practice it and you need to understand your people well enough to know who do you give the long like lead on what they're doing and say, you just drop it in their lap and you run and you know, they've got it versus the person who, if you do that, you're going to freak them out and they're not going to be successful. But again, so much of business is like, learn the skills, learn the hard skills, learn the tech, but it's like, yeah, people are different and it's not a one size fits all. Like I needed to know as a leader at my last job, like which of my people on my team, I could just throw something over the fence and say, call me if you've got questions and which ones I needed to say, okay, step-by-step, here's what I see for you. Here's the vision. And you give them the freedom within what they're comfortable with, always pushing them to grow just a little bit more. So it's like, 
But again, if you're not if you if you're not creating a safe space to be able to effectively read your team and support them, you'll never be able to do that. And that's so important. But again, I think companies you need to understand it's it's the investment in soft skills that makes this more efficient. But also for people in tech, it's the investment in understanding the business and why they're trying to drive the, the way they are that will bring people together in a way that'll actually make sense and make a difference for everyone involved. But again, it's are you as an executive breaking down the barriers and the systems that keep people from achieving that success? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can learn so much for you. And I'm so bummed that we're coming to the end of our time. (laughs) This is like, this is every, every show, every guest I have is like amazing. And I could talk to you for hours and hours, but uh, we're coming to the end. Um, What advice would you have for anyone interested in tech? I think the big thing is, you know, don't make assumptions. Don't assume there's only one way into tech and don't assume that you have to have the same attributes and interests as people and people that you perceive, you know, in the media, you think, you know, it's dudes with hoodies sitting in their basement in the dark coding all day. And yeah, that, that is legit. Like that exists. I've gotten on totally. And I'm like, you literally look like you're that dude in a hoodie sitting in a basement, literally no lights on. And I'm like, that's your life. Like you do exist, but there's also people like me, there's people like you, there's folks who are, um, who have different interests and different skill sets. I think the important thing is like, you don't have to just be a coder or just be an engineer to get into tech. The easiest way that I found to get into tech and find out what's available, get tech adjacent, like come in in marketing, come in in HR, come in in recruiting, come in in a role like mine where your people skills are way more important than the tech skills. I can talk to the tech people and learn what I need to know. But if you know, if you're in some kind of you know sales role, an enablement role, if you're in customer success, again, it's a way to get in to understand what's there and then to choose your path. Like there's so much you could do in tech that you know, watching one video is not going to tell you what it's really like working on, you know, Kubernetes all day. You're going to be like, what is Kubernetes? What does that even mean? Uh, But getting in and starting to build your network with other people who do that, you can talk to them and find out, you know, what does your day-to-day look like? Like for a while there, you know, there was this whole big push, data science, data science is the thing. Everyone's got to know this. And then you start to talk to people who are actual data scientists and you're like, oh, like 90% of your job is wrangling data and cleaning up spreadsheets because people input the information bad. And I'm like, that's not for me. Like I get it pays well. I get there's job security, but it's not for me. So I think finding ways in where you can maximize your skill set and then understand where it makes sense for you to go in tech. Like this is a space we need us all here. We need everybody with all of your diversity and diverse experiences. And honestly, I feel like that's the thing that makes me successful is I didn't grow up in startups. I didn't grow up in tech. I understand what you know, enterprise customers look like. I understand what government looks like, what nonprofits look like. And I bring that experience to say like, okay, based on everything that I know, what's the common denominator that I can apply to everybody that I'm working with? Um, But if all of us are the same experience, the same schools, the same education, you never have that insight to think bigger than that. So I say, look for opportunities that fit your skill set and find a way in and then find the people, you know, create that network and figure out, you know, who's going to help you get to your next step. You're such a pro for bringing it all together. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, can you tell us um, where can people connect with you? One day, I'll, I'll say that without stuttering. Hold on. Where can people connect with you? There you go. I love it. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. We can put the information out there for people to find me. But if, if not, if they search my name, you can find me there as well. Um, but yeah, happy to have folks connect and 
message me. Like if you've got some questions from this, if you're like, what is this all about? If you're, if you're a company that's trying to figure out what this digital transformation looks like, you know, I might not be able to answer all of your questions, but you know what, if, if you're interested in working with Pluralsight, if you're interested in working with me, like, let's talk about that. Let's open those doors and have that conversation. Because again, I think the companies that figure this out the fastest, who are willing to go on this journey of like upending the traditional ways that we've existed will be the ones who will find the greatest success that will stem, you know, the turnover that they're experiencing and that will help increase people's capacity in their organizations to really be in a be innovative and drive them to the future. Like I'm so excited for the companies and the organizations that are willing to do this and go along on that journey. I love that. Heather, thank you so much for your time. I am so glad that we finally got to meet and talk. And I, I hope that this is only one of many conversations that we'll have in the future. Yeah. Thank you. This was a great opportunity. I really enjoyed our time. Great. If you want to, uh, support us, sorry. Please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow Tiaras in Tech on social media. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day.